Hallelujah. It's good to be here tonight. A lot of people have been asking when the, the Gregory kids are going to sing. We're going to get them up eventually. But tonight is not the night. There's a little song on my heart that I believe God put it there. I want to just sing a little bit of it if you don't mind. Maybe just worship with me a little bit. Maybe it'll tell you a little bit about where I am, where our family is, and hopefully it will encourage you as well. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise and just to know the same the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust you how I proved you o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know My future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Stand to your feet one more time. Let's sing it to the Lord. Because he lives. Sing it out. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear, all fear is gone because I know, because I know. Oh, he holds my future and life is worth the living just because he lives 
let's give him a big hand clap of praise in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. God, we know you're alive tonight. You're alive tonight, Lord Jesus. God, we give you glory and honor tonight, oh God. Lord, we know tonight because you live, we have hope. We have hope, Lord, not in this life only, Lord, but even in the life to come, we have hope because Jesus Christ is alive. And I thank you tonight for hungry hearts and willing hearts, Lord, and full of faith people that are ready to do the will of God. We believe you for the anointing of God on this word tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let's just clap up and give them a praise. About 10 more seconds. Let them know how glad you are to be saved tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad. I'm so glad tonight that I'm saved, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. I'm so glad I'm saved tonight. I'll be saved or, or in an insane asylum. You got to be either saved or crazy to do the kind of things that we do. I'm so glad tonight that I'm saved and not crazy. Amen. Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and what else? A sound mind. So that means I ain't crazy. Now I got an uncle that, that's a little crazy, but I'm not crazy tonight. But I believe God and I believe what he's put in our spirits. I believe God has brought us here for such a time as this. And it's such a privilege and an honor to be here. My lovely wife of 18 going on 19 years. First Lady Calandra. Amen. And our seven children. Chris, Caleb, Chase, Chastity, Channing, Cadence, and Caroline that's on the way. We're so looking forward to what God's going to do here laboring together with you here in Dallas. Thank you so much, Pastor, First Lady Carla, for giving us an opportunity to just come and, and worship with you. And it's, a, it's quite a drive for us, so if you don't see us all the time, it ain't because we're mad at you, uh, but, but we're trying to get things settled, get things lined up. And so we just thank God so much for your hospitality. And you'll be seeing us a little bit more, but hopefully not too much more. You say, well, why is that? Because the more you see us, that means the less we done did what we were supposed to be doing on the other side. And so hopefully you don't be seeing too much more of us, but you'll be seeing us for a little while. Amen. If you have your Bible tonight, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to preach a selfish message tonight. <laughs> That's, that, that doesn't, that doesn't uh, uh, foster... Uh, faith in the preacher when he says he's going to preach a selfish, selfish message. I pray that it's not really selfish. It is my heart and it will benefit me if you heed the words of this message tonight. I want to minister a simple uh, topic to you tonight. And that topic is step up. Step up. That's all. Step up. Here in First Samuel chapter 17, uh, there is a young lad by the name of David. 
And many of you, if you've been in the church for a while, you know the story of David. No doubt in Sunday school or what have you, you have learned the story of David and Goliath. Even those who are not saved and perhaps don't even believe in the scriptures reference the story of David and Goliath. I've heard atheists, when they're uh, challenging Christians, they will use the story of David and Goliath to prove that God could not possibly exist. And as you look at the story, it does indeed seem like an unlikely story that such a young man, such a, a, a little boy, uh, could defeat such a massive specimen of, and I use the word loosely, man. But he did. And that's one thing about the believer is an unquestioning, undying faith in the word of God and the authenticity and the God-breathed-inspired uh, scriptures. The Bible says it is the engrafted word of God that will save our soul. One of the things that society is trying to do today is trying to convince us that this is just a bunch of good fairy tales, that these things didn't really happen but it, in fact, it's just a story to teach a good moral lesson. And so when they reference something like Moses at the Red Sea, uh, they'll say that's, that didn't really happen, but that's just a good story about how people can persevere and win one for the Gipper if they just stay strong and believe in themselves. I've listened to so many uh, uh, announcements and uh, motivational messages that talk about just believing in yourself. And I'm going to tell you something. If I believed in myself, I'd be balder than I am right now. I'd pull all my hair out if I just believed in myself because I see so many limitations in myself. I see the finiteness of my ability and my capability. As I'm looking around in this uh, thriving Texas real estate market, I see the limitations of my financial resources. <laughs> But thank God we don't have to depend upon our ability and our resources. We have the privilege, the ability, and the capability to depend upon the Lord. And so this young lad here in uh, this story here in 1 Samuel 17, David, is a young man that teaches us that we don't have to depend upon ourselves. We can depend upon God. One of the things I want you to get out this message tonight, God is going to move when his people step up. Now, here, here's the, the backdrop of what's going on. Then we'll get into it. There was a war between Israel and uh, the Philistines. The Israelites was on one side of the mountain. The Philistines are on the other side. Of the mountain. Now, one definition I want to, I'm a, I'm a definitions guy. Uh, maybe you're not a definitions person, but don't go to sleep on me tonight. The word Philistines means to roll as in roll in the dirt. Keep that in mind. Tell somebody, say roll in the dirt. Now, they ain't telling you to roll in the dirt. They're just telling you what I told them to tell you. All right? The Philistines mean to roll in the dirt. And the Philistines have set themselves against the Israelites. And just to point a note, as you see us fighting 
in uh, or you see Israel fighting right now in uh, that place called Gaza. If you'll, if you'll just take a map of Israel today and take a map of the land that the Philistines occupied, it's amazing where the Philistines are located. It's right there where Gaza is right now. You look at some of the lands that Israel did not conquer when they went into the promised land like God told them to. Take that map and then look at a map of what Israel controls today. It'll be startling to you how spiritual this thing is. That's a side note. But they're fighting here with the Philistines and the Philistines have this uh, giant and his name is Goliath. You've heard of Goliath in your, your Bible study class in Sunday school. Goliath would come out every day for 40 days, twice a day, and talk about how weak their God was. Every day, twice a day, for 40 days, he would come out and talk about how weak the God of the Israelites was. Now, another definition for you, say, uh, bump somebody say he's got another definition. That word Goliath, and this is going to be very important because this ties to the message that I want you to get tonight. That word Goliath means to denude. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm just getting to Texas. I'm sure y'all are a lot smarter than us from Alabama, but I didn't know what the word denude means. So I had to go to the dictionary to figure out what the word denude means. It means to strip something of its covering, its possessions, its assets, to make bare. The word Goliath means to strip something of its covering, possessions, or assets to make bare. Now I want you to put on your spiritual thinking cap for a minute because I want you to get a, a, a spiritual picture of what's happening here. The, the enemies of God's people have aligned themselves with God's people and every day the chiefest of the enemy come out and his name means to strip you of your covering, your possessions, or your assets to make you bare. This is a representation of something where God is saying the world is speaking out to you. The enemy is speaking out to you and telling you you are nothing. You can't defeat him. You can't win. Why are you even trying? This is what Goliath represents. He represents that to the old folks. He represents that to the middle um, aged people. He represents that to the young people. This is not just young people who are fighting this battle. This is not just old people who are fighting this battle. I submit to you that every person in this place has a Goliath or multiple Goliaths that they have to fight on a daily basis. There is something in your life that is speaking to you and it's telling you you can't win. It's something that aligns itself against you and tells you you need to give up because there is no way you can get past me. There is something that's telling you that what you're doing with serving God has no purpose, has no effect, so you might as well quit it. This is Goliath. Goliath's job is to mock you. His job is to expose you to discourage you, to destroy you, and then after he's done all of that, he wants to kill you. That's what Goliath wants to do. 
Sometimes a Goliath will come into your life in the form of an addiction. Sometimes a Goliath will come into your life in the form of a relationship. Sometimes a Goliath will come into your life in the form of a debt. Sometimes a Goliath will come into your life in the form of a sickness. But all of these things come to mock you and to tell you that serving God has no purpose. Now I want to identify to you the nature of of this battle what is this all about now make no mistake about the nature of this battle between the armies of God and the forces of the enemy the nature of this battle is all about who you pledge allegiance to you say well I pledge allegiance to America well I ain't talking about that we're not talking about your nationality tonight we're talking about who Will you serve? We're talking in the same context that Joshua talked about in Joshua 24 and 15 when he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And I tell you what, there's so much in that that he says, he didn't say choose one time who you will serve. He said, choose today whom you will serve. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, this is not a one-time thing where I made a prayer at an altar one time and it's a done deal. Friend, let me tell you something. Your allegiances will be challenged. What you claim to believe in will be challenged. One of the things that I try and challenge my kids with, because this is a, a generation that, that does a lot of thinking, but they're, they're uh, a mile wide and an inch deep. And I don't want my kids to be a mile wide and an inch deep. And so I challenge them on their presumptions. I challenge them on their assumptions. What do they believe? And why do they believe it? And how do your beliefs play out in your daily life? Can I tell you what you believe got feet to it? We had a flyer, a, 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 a slide in Phoenix uh, that rolled before service that said, put feet to your faith. That's what pastor was talking about Saturday morning. Put feet to your faith. If we say we believe something, if we say we want to see the world saved, then put feet to that faith. In other words, at 10 o'clock, be at the house. The nature of this battle is one of allegiances. Listen to this in 1 Samuel 17, 8 and 9. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said to them, this is Goliath speaking, why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine or one that rolls in the dirt? And you servants to Saul? That's the problem. They were servants to Saul instead of the Lord's servant. Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. In other words, somebody step up. Now before I got saved, I, there was a time or two where somebody would challenge you to step up. I don't know what they call it nowadays, but they said, well, step up then. That means if you, if you think you can win, do something about it. A little bit before my time, maybe Pastor Andrew remain, remember it, they'd put a, a stick on your shoulder and say, knock that stick off if you bad. <laughs> you don't do that nowadays because ain't nobody going to hit no stick nowadays. They're going right for your chin. Boom. Oh, no, that was my day. Nowadays, they just go for the 45. But back in my day, they just go for your chin. All right, back to the message. He said, choose you a man. One of y'all bad? Just step up then. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants? 
But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. This is Goliath. This is the one who wants to strip you, to expose you. Do you know that the enemy wants to expose you? You haven't been saved long. You say, you know what? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do He loves to destroy folks who ain't been saved long. Somebody that's been saved a long time and you proclaim the name of Christ. You got a lot of influence. You talked about the goodness of the Lord. He, would, he loves to expose that person and bring that person down. I look at the news. I look in Christian media and I'll see, you know, the top of the chart. It says this pastor has fallen or this minister did this or this lay leader did this or this, con this member of this congregation did this. It's always talking about what, uh, how the enemy has exposed the weakness of some Christian. The enemy loves to do that. That's what Goliath is wanting to do. He wants to expose. And the thing about it is he's not doing nothing but running his mouth. He ain't doing nothing but talking. And it's an amazing thing. He talking and everybody's running. I'd encourage you to go back. I'm going to read some of 1 Samuel 17, but I'd encourage you to go back and read this story in its entirety because what you'll see is Goliath does a lot of talking, and when he talks, people run. Back in the day, they used to call it selling wolf tickets. Uh, in my day, they called it a bully. I don't know what they call it nowadays. I've been out for a while, but whatever they call it, it is this person is just, they talking a good game. They do a lot of uh, 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 fronting, they used to call it. He's putting up a facade. He's putting up this thing. Now, don't get me wrong. You've got an eight and a half foot tall man with six fingers talking, so it ain't, it ain't all just talk. He got the look, too. He looked like he'll do something. And when, I remember when I was a little boy, you know, you get in the little fights in the street, and what you do, you size them up. And if, you know, you look like you might be able to get them, you kind of, you know, get a little courage. But if you look at them and then you look at you, and be like, oh, I can't do nothing, you bag off. And so that's what they're doing here. Every time they stand up and they see an eight and a half foot man with six fingers, they just bag off. I can't beat that. Goliath didn't do anything but came down twice a day, looked fierce, and challenged you. What does this life have on you that make you bag down so much? What happens to you in this life so much that makes you just quit trying to fight? The Bible says if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. In other words, you're more miserable than a Muslim, than a Hindu, than an atheist. You're more miserable because you don't believe that there's any hope beyond this life. This is why he says in, in uh, Colossians chapter 4, If you then be risen with Christ, set your affections on things which are above, where Christ is seated. Why? Because you're going to have disappointments in this life. Not a believer. Christians don't get disappointed. Oh, Jesus says in this life you will have what? Tribulation. What did he say? So be sad then. No. Be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. In other words, he said in this life you're going to have problems, but step up. Why step up? 
because he lives. That's why you step up. You don't step up because uh, you've been practicing your boxing. You don't step up because you got plenty of money. You don't step up because you, you read your Bible. You don't step up because a pastor told you that you was anointed. You step up because Jesus is alive. Goliath just talking. 1 Samuel 17, 11, when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. He talking and they scared. Now David, this young man David had brothers. The Bible tells us that he had, that, uh, that his father Jesse had eight sons. Now, now listen to this riddle. The Bible makes it clear that Jesse had eight sons. The Bible also makes it clear that only three of the oldest sons were fighting with Saul. The Bible makes it clear that David was the youngest son, but the Bible also makes it clear that David was the seventh son. Go try to figure that out. What am I trying to tell you with that? I'm trying to tell you that there are some divided loyalties there. Do you remember when Samuel came in to anoint the next king of Israel and they brought out Eliab? his oldest brother, and he looked like a king. We were watching the news today, and Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of uh, Israel, was speaking, and Chris remarked, he said, man, he looks like a world leader. Have you ever seen Netanyahu? I'd be like, man, I'll fight for that president. He, he looked look like it. He didn't look like he'll lead. lead. He's going to go somewhere. I just want to follow him because of how he looked. Don't judge me, because so did Samuel. Samuel said, boy, this boy look like a king. He said, man, give me all. Let me. God said, uh-uh. Don't look on the outward, because that ain't what I'm looking at. I judge the inside. And they brought another one before him. He said, man, he looked like it. God said, uh-uh. And brought Shama before him and said, that's it. I know that's it. And then, nope. And they brought three and four and, and five and six, and none of them were in. And he says, Jesse, do you got any more boys? He said, well, I got one out there, uh, but, but he stank because he always out there with them sheep. He's just a little kid. He said, bring him. We ain't going to eat till you bring him. And when they brought David in there, they anointed him to be king. It set, a, a set the course for his life. Set a course for his life. But there, there, was, there was three boys that were out there, but there were three boys that wasn't out there. Do you know when you're living for Christ, there's going to be people that are going to be doing something for God. There are going to be people that's not doing something for God. You can't be moved by what some people doing and what some people not doing. I remember when I was in Okinawa, Japan, and while we were there, uh, this, this, uh, well, these three couples decided that they were going to go and go somewhere else. And one of the couples just happened to be one of our kids' uh, godchildren. And we, we at, at that young time in our, in, our, uh, in our faith, in our ministry, we had to make a decision who we were going to follow. Were we going to follow God or were we going to follow people? We made that decision. We said, you know what, God, much as we love them, we're going to follow you. And I'm standing here today. Because of that benchmark, that, that was, a, that was a, a, a landmark in our lives. That was a, a, a foundation point. That was a reference point in our lives where we established something right there that we would not be moved by the whims of people, but by the will of God. 
You know how the story goes. Maybe you don't know this, but David was sitting out there with them before all of this stuff took place. He was out there with his brothers, and then he went back home to go feed his old stinking sheep and to get some food for his brother. You know sheep stink sometimes. <laughs> he went to feed them sheep, and he went to get some stuff for his uh, brothers to eat. And uh, while he's there, uh, his dad says, hey, give this to your brothers and check it out and see how they're doing. And so as he's on his way back, he leaves someone to tend to his sheep. As he's on his way back, all of a sudden, he uh, sees the, the men setting up to go into battle. And he's, so he hops out of his chariot real quick. It's like, you know, some of y'all, before you got saved real good, you see a fight. I remember when I was in high school, they said, fight. Usually, you're supposed to run away from a fight, right? But I remember we used to run to the fight. Looking back on like, that was so dumb. Could have got hit or anything. But there I was. And that's what David did. When he, get, when he pulls up, he sees them get ready to fight. And the Bible says he jumps out of his carriage and wants to go get in the middle of the fight and see what's going on. And while he's there in the midst of all these people, check this out. Here comes Goliath now defying the armies of God. And Goliath is talking and David is like, Man, who is this uncircumcised? Now, he the littlest one in the whole group. Now, he ain't, he ain't the big boy. He ain't his brother Eliab that looks like a king. Thank you, brother. I can do like the preachers in Alabama. <laughs> he ain't the one that look like a king. He's the little guy. But you know, it's always like that Napoleon context uh, complex or something. He's the littlest one to my, hey, who is this guy, man? Man, who is this guy? Talking to his brothers and the people. Man, this guy ain't nothing. He's an uncircumcised guy, man. We could beat this guy. He's just talking, just carrying on. And everybody's like, man, who is this little kid? And his brothers get mad at him. Read this. I'm coming right out of the book. His brothers get mad at him because all you want to do, they say all you want to do is see a fight. And you know, just like I know, you like to see a good fight. It's just the devil in all of us. You just want to see a good fight. Somebody get to argue. You, hey, you, 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 you're riding along in the car and you see the couple next, next to you arguing with each other. You just want to look so bad. You want to see somebody fight. 1 Samuel 17, 26, David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine? Takes away the reproach from Israel. For, listen to this, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Let me tell you something, believer. Your life is about perspective. It's about how you see it. How David perceived Goliath is the fundamental thing I want you to see. Everybody else sees Goliath as a threat to themselves. David sees Goliath as a threat to the name of God. I'm going to say that again. Everybody around sees, sees Goliath as a threat to themselves. David sees Goliath as a threat 
to the name of God. How do you perceive a threat? When trouble comes in your life, do you say, woe is me? When trouble happens to you, do you say, oh, nothing goes right for me? When, when sickness comes, do we get in despair or do we look and say, God, I know you're able. This thing is talking against you. This thing is proclaiming, God, that you're not able. In those times where you say, you know what, I don't, I don't have the money that I need. Do you say, oh, woe is me, I don't have it. Do you say, God, this thing is saying that you're not able to provide for me. It's about perspective. It's about how you see that thing. You listen to what David said. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Two things David is saying there. This man is no match for the true and living God. Another thing he's saying there is this battle belongs to the true and living God. That's the two things he's saying there. This man is no match for my God. And this battle belongs to my God. And let me tell you something, friend. When you start talking faith like that, when you start standing on the word of God and proclaiming faith like that, do you know folks going to talk about you? <laughs> folks going to talk about you. When I look back, when I, was, I, I think back to when I was in high school, maybe I mentioned this here before, and, and the, the, it, you know, you can't live your life with regrets. But I look back and I say, God, with all of the influence that I had on so many people, I wish I had lived for the Lord then. I wish I had lived for God in high school. How many of my friends could be saved? We were talking about uh, uh, the show. Uh, we had a singing group. And all of the members of our group, man, we were on our way to go to New York City. We were going to be in, uh, on this show. And one of them got strung out on drugs. The other one committed murder. And I look back on that. I said, God, I could have been so effective with the influence that I had, if I'd had the anointing, I could have been so effective. But you know that enemy sold me a wolf ticket? That joker fooled me into believing that I was cool. Listen to me, young folks. I'm talking to young folks now. This world is going to sell you on being cool. Do you know, I, I mean... Granted, I don't live in Montgomery no more, but I don't know nobody from high school no more. And I spent all them years trying to be cool for people that I don't even know now. I ain't get nobody saved. I didn't pray for one person. But, I, but it, was, it, it wrapped me up to, to, to be perceived as cool. Did I tell you about the t-shirts my wife made me buy? Did I tell you about that? We, you remember back in the day you had the screen print t-shirts? Chris and Calandra, you know. It was his and hers t-shirts. Had his on the back of one and hers on the back of the other. But she had the great idea that since I belonged to her, I was hers. So she said, you wear the hers t-shirt. And I'll never forget this. I, because one of the things, you, you, you know, you walking, I'm walking to band practice trying to be cool. 
And the boys standing there, you know how the boys stand there, they on the wall. I'll never forget it. And here I come walking up. And I, I know that they look like Chris and Calandra. They like, what's up, Red? They call me Red. You know? And then we walk in the band room, and then they walk behind me, and I heard it. Hers? <laughs> you hers? <laughs> and so they called me hers for about six months. And after that, I didn't even want to hold hands with her no more because I didn't wanna, want them to think I was hers. That's how it is. The devil will try to trick you into thinking, man, you you cool, boy, you you cool. And really you're a fool. Because when you stand before God, I mean, how many gangsters gonna be standing before God? Like, well, God. Got their hat to the side, well, God. Well, well, well. Well, 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 God. And it's gonna be, it's not gonna be that. Do you know God's not going to ask you how many uh, Facebook friends you had? He ain't going to ask it. But that Goliath cries out to you and says, you better have friends. You better be cool. Everybody better like you or you might as well just end it. That's why teen suicide rate is through the roof. Because more and more, Goliath is crying out to our youth, you can't win. You will never have as many friends as that other guy, as that other girl. And so if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. This is why Christ came. Listen to me now. This is why Christ came. So you won't have to try to keep up with them no more. I don't even play by their rules and I still win. I don't play by the world's rules no more. I changed the whole game. I'm a game changer. I changed the whole game and I win. How you won, Pastor? The Bible said, whatsoever things are born of God overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. My Twitter account, my Instagram account, my Facebook account, my LinkedIn, one of my 15 emails. My cell phone. What's the victory that overcomes the world? My faith in Jesus Christ. That's where I win. That's where I win. So I don't have to play by rules no more. You got your Facebook account? Use that thing to get somebody saved. Whatever you use, use it for the glory of God. Back to the message. When you get to talking, faith. When you start talking, faith. Folks going to be like, man, that guy was talking about he can beat Goliath. <laughs> that guy talking about he can win. And all of a sudden, this message somehow gets from where David is just talking amongst the people. It gets to King Saul. And now Saul's like, tell him to come here. This boy going to get himself killed. Tell him to come here. And so he goes, and when he starts talking to Saul, he says, hey, man, I can, I'll go out there and, and beat him. And Saul says, you can't beat Goliath. He flat out, flat out tells him, you're not good enough. I think about these shows. You know, they got uh, so many shows now, these uh, singing shows. They got, you got the American Idol. Then, uh, so you, 
So you you think you can sing, and then they even got a, a church version now, Sunday Sunday morning or Sunday Sunday's best. And I wonder how many of them people actually singing in their local church. That's what I'd be wondering, but that's a whole nother thing. And can you imagine just standing there and your whole life you've been believing for something and somebody tells you, you can't do that. If it's not God's will for your life, that'll crush you and defeat you. How many times people have been, been going for something that it, it was never God's will for their lives? I thank God tonight David wasn't going after something that wasn't God's will for his life. It is so good. That song I sang, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Listen, just to rest. Not stay up late at night and scratch my head. And, uh, just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. I tell you something, it ain't too many, it ain't too many writers nowadays in Christianity that's writing them like that. That's got depth right there. That's somebody who has tried and has proven God. You just keep on. Maybe you've never had to try and prove God in your life. You just keep on living. You're going to have to prove his word. You're going to have to stand in front of Goliath and listen to his, his spewings and his cursings. And you're going to have to deal with that Goliath or he'll defeat you. And David gets before Saul, and as he's here before Saul, and he's talking, and he's carrying on, and uh, uh, Saul is talking to him, he's talking faith. Someone took notice and brought him in the presence of someone who can put him in that place to operate his faith. And this is where I want to land this ship today, saints of God. Because I tell you what, in this place tonight, there's people that God's putting it in your heart to step up. He's putting it in your heart to step up in an area because, listen, he's about to put you in a place in the presence of somebody. Listen to this. They might not even care about you. Don't ever forget that Saul was the same one that was throwing javelins at David's head. They may not even care about you, but they're going to put you in a place to fulfill the will of God for your life. They don't even, they don't regard you. They don't care nothing about your God. They're going to they laugh in your face and curse you behind your back. And as long as you don't chase that rabbit and you just keep on chasing God, they're going to help you walk right into God's destiny for your life. But you're going to have to step up. Preparation is the fundamental element in fulfilling the calling of God. God will prepare you. There's two things that's challenged when you answer the call of God. Number one, your experiences. Some people don't handle their experiences well. You go through things and you just mess it up. You deal with things. You know, you, you, get a, you get an opportunity to talk to the CEO of the company and you get all mad and bent out of shape. And the CEO is like, uh, can you not have that guy talk to me anymore? Because <laughs> I don't understand him. <laughs> You blow your opportunities because you're not walking in the spirit. But I tell you, God will bring experiences to prepare you for his will for your life. And in 1 Samuel 17 and 33, the Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine. 
to fight with him, for you are youth, and he a man of war from his youth. 30, in verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. The servant slew, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defied the armies of the living God. Do you see what David did right there? David took his natural experiences and he talked about what he just did and that is what prepared him to walk in the calling of God for his life there's no way somebody that's not spiritual can see how a little shepherd out there tending the sheep would prepare you to fight a giant but there he is what does he say he says, I'm out there tending the sheep and a lion and a bear. I remember Pastor Blake was talking this morning about being five feet from a lion and the back of my legs started tingling. I got to thinking, five feet from a lion? Did you have a 30-06 and a steel case around you? That's what I got to thinking. But David said, when the lion came and took one of my sheep, I reached out and took the sheep out of his mouth and then I killed him. Y'all heard that before? I killed him. He took the pair, the paw of the bear came and uh, uh, took my sheep and I took my sheep out of his mouth and I killed him. And he said, if I kill the lion and I kill the bear, I can kill this guy too. Now that almost made good sense. Think about it. If this boy bad enough to jump on a lion, he probably can beat, a, beat this giant. You don't want to fight nobody that fights lions. <laughs> Isn't that right? Don't look at what he well, Don't look at his stature now. You got to look at what he did. And what he did, either he lying or he telling the truth. What he said he did was he killed a lion and a bear. And back then, as far as I know, they ain't have no guns. Now, if I got that 30 out six or, or something more powerful, I may, you may, stand in the gap for a minute. Believer, you ain't got much. You're small in stature. You can't stand against the world. You know what I get so sick and tired of? The church world trying to look to the world for validity. Look at us. We're, we're uh, you know, we're valid. Look at us. We, you know, we are relevant today. The gospel is always relevant. We don't need to beat down their doors and beg them to uh, like us. Only thing we need to beat down their doors and do is give them the gospel. And you have an opportunity to do that Saturday at 10 o'clock. <laughs> we, we don't need the world to say, oh man, you Christians are cool. And anybody that 
that knows Christian history knows that anytime the church is well received by the world, it's as weak, as weak as watered down coffee. Anytime the world just love the church, it's weak. Anytime the world recognizes their sin and they respond in anger and wrath, what happens? The church gets stronger. The church gets stronger. The church gets stronger. Your experiences, the enemy is going to try and cause you to go off the path. He's going to try to cause you to lead them sheep alone. Maybe your sheep is, you know what, I'm, I'm responsible for cleaning the church. Maybe your sheep is, you know what, I'm, I'm, I need to be at praise practice. Maybe your sheep is, you know what, I'm, I'm supposed to be the one to make sure that the van got washed. Whatever your sheep is, you tend to your sheep. You know what, pastor gave me a follow-up card and asked me to follow up. That's your sheep. Tend to your sheep because tending to your sheep is what prepares you to defeat your giant. Your experiences. Number two, the other thing that will be challenged when you answer the call of God is what you're made of, your substance. You know, the enemy going to find out what you're made of. He's going to try you out. There's always an imitation. There's always a temptation to imitate somebody else. Remember in the book of Acts, the Bible says, the man said, I cast the, the, uh, the seven sons of Sceva, talking about they cast the devil out in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preached. The Bible said they went away, uh, denuded too. They got beat, they beat, the demons beat their clothes off. Because the enemy is going to challenge your substance, what you're made of. Bible says if you're smart, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. But think soberly minded as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's all you got, the measure of faith. And that's all you need is the measure of faith. And Samuel and, and Saul, Saul here looking at David. And the Bible says in verse 38, Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. He also armed him with a coat of mail and David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go for he had not proved it. In other words, he decided not, not to take all that stuff. And David said to Saul, I can't go with these. I ain't tried this stuff out yet. And David took it off. You know what he's saying? There's going to always be somebody that's going to try to put their stuff on you. Okay, if you insist upon doing the will of God, this is how you have to do it. Okay, if you're really going to be a Christian, then you got, you got to do what I tell you to do. Now, I'm not talking about good godly counsel. Somebody say, listen, if you're going to really be a good Christian, you're going to have to stop uh, smoking dope. That's good wisdom. That ain't what I'm talking about. You don't tell me how to serve God. To serve God the way I want to serve God. And that's not what I'm talking about. But somebody say, you know what? You don't want to get too serious about Christianity. You don't want to get too serious. I mean, it's all right to go to church Sunday morning, but Sunday night? You got to get your clothes washed and ready for next week on Sunday night. What are you made of? The enemy going to try it. Finally, what is your goals? What, what's your goal? 
When David came to this Philistine, when he, when he came up on Goliath, immediately Goliath began to curse him and to mock him. It's just like the devil. Immediately the devil will try to discourage you from stepping up. And so in 1 Samuel 17 and 46, watch this what David said. David said this, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, talking to Goliath, and I will smite thee and take your head from you. And I will give the, give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth, this is his goal, that all the earth may know that there is a God at Victory World Outreach in Denton, Texas. That's how you got to read that. That all the world may know that there is a God at Victory World Outreach in Denton, Texas. I don't know what the church down the street doing, but God is in the church at Denton, Texas. Amen. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear. It ain't about how popular you are. It ain't about how cute you are. You cute. You cute. You are so cute, but that's not what's going to get it. Man, you handsome, but that ain't going to get it. God don't save with that. God don't save because you're cool. What does God save with? The gospel. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And he says in Ephesians 3, this is the new living. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in, in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I tell you something, friend? Now is your time to step up. Now is your time to step up. We're going to open these altars in a moment. Perhaps you're here today, and the Goliaths of this world have been screaming at you. The Goliaths of relationships, the Goliaths of finances, the Goliaths of, of laziness, the Goliaths of, 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 of bitterness and, and past hurts. All those Goliaths scream at you and tell you, you are not going to get past here. You are not going to win. And today is the day you step up and say, I'm going to win, not because I'm so great and powerful, but I'm going to take this slingshot and these stones, and I'm going to put one right in the head of all of my haters. You say, yep, that's Pookie them, Jimbo. No, that ain't them. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Don't, 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 don't direct your, your hatred onto an individual. Don't make that, that fatal error right there. That's exactly where the, the devil wants you to go. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The devil and all his demons is where we direct our anger and we direct our focus and we want to put one stone right on his head, specifically the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, because the Bible says that he is going to bruise his head. What am I saying to you there? Put Jesus Christ 
on your Goliath. Put the stone which the builders rejected on your Goliath. Apply Jesus Christ to every trouble. That old song says, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. You can't bear it alone. And they, they fed us they fed us a line, and it's a wonderful line. The Lord won't put you no more, won't put no more on you than you can bear. And that's absolutely right. But guess who will? The devil. He'll be glad to put more on you than he can bear, than you can bear. And he's doing it every day. Cast your burdens upon Jesus. You've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. You've been brought into this house for such a time as this. My brother, Pastor Blake, ministered this morning. He cried out for souls. There's souls that's hanging in the balance. But tonight, there's more than just your soul hanging in the balance. There's other souls who are hanging in the balance. They're waiting on you to be where you're supposed to be. Because, see, as soon as David defeated Goliath, all of the, of the forces of Israel rose up and went to the fight and put the Philistines to flight. But they needed somebody to step up. Today, tonight, God's looking for somebody in this place that'll step up. Let's bow our heads in this place.